Hello, this is Brother Simmons. I'm from uh, Leading the Leaders. Uh, and throughout the week, we have a podcast that's concentrated on leadership. But on Sunday, we have one that's concentrated on the Word of God. Uh, each Sunday, we do our alone uh, interactive type uh, Bible study, which means you will hear other voices on the recording besides my own. But we look to explore an options of the Bible um, where all leadership principles uh, are arrived from. Uh, so we want to invite you uh, each Sunday here uh, to join us and have your Bibles with you. And we will open up what the Word of God says so that we have a closer walk with Jesus and have a a more form understanding of the Word of God. So welcome and thank you for listening. We thank God for another day he's given us that he has allowed us to see the light of day that we can give him praise and honor and glory. Uh, today we're going to go back into Genesis, our study on Genesis, but we will do it as customary. We will go into our questions that we have for the week first, and then we'll go from there. We'll begin with a prayer. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come and take part in your word, Lord. We ask, as always, you open our hearts and our minds to what the word has to say, that it will lead and guide us in everything that we do, that you will get the glory and the honor. And we ask all these things in your precious Son, Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And so, we already looked over... um, the questions, which I'll go through briefly, that we talked about what was the unity of the Spirit. We actually went into Galatians uh, 5 and 22, and we saw what the fruit of the Spirit was. Were. And so now today, though, we're going to do something that we're going to add on to it. So let's do this. Let's go to let's go back to Ephesians four, which we which is where we started. But we want to go to Ephesians four and five. So Ephesians four and five is where we want to begin at. Okay, are we there? Ephesians 4 or 5? Okay, so what does it say? Baptism. Okay, so the Apostle Paul makes mention, we didn't really thoroughly go over this um, throughout the week, so I may take a little bit of time here and go over this for a quick deal. Matter of fact, if I look at that passage of Scripture, what does it mean when he said there's one baptism? He said there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. No. So what does it mean when he says there's one baptism? No. Some people have been baptized more than once. So first of all, when he's talking about baptism, he's actually not talking about water baptism at all. 
So if he's if he's not talking about water baptism, what is he talking about? Being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's talking about spiritual baptism. Okay? So but this is the thing we gotta understand when it comes down to what he's talking about. Spiritual baptism is for identity. Baptism means who you're identified with. If you recall, back when John the Baptist came baptizing them in the wilderness, that was because they had already accepted Christ. They're supposed to be followers of Christ now. And so that, that, that outward expression was, the, was an expression of something that had already taken place internally. They accepted God into their heart. Now, first we must understand that baptism is actually speaking of identity, in this case our identity in Christ Jesus. You see the Holy Spirit is responsible for our rebirth in Christ as our personal Savior. Therefore, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit also begins the process of allowing us to mature in Christianity or as a Christian. That is to be more like him. More like who? More like Christ. Because in other parts of the scripture, we hear this called the spirit of Christ. The growth process is a relationship not based on idle words, but actually real, a real relationship just like we have with other people. Okay? Our faith does not mature because, because it is given as God as a gift. The Bible says a measure of faith has been given to everyone that believes. However, our understanding of who Jesus is deepens. This is how we grow in grace and by the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit also, also sanctifies us on earth. You remember when we studied a prayer? Remember that prayer that we studied in, in John 17? the Lord's Prayer, where the Lord prayed for his, for his disciples, one of the things he says, I don't pray for you to take them out of the word, earth. He says, but I pray to keep evil from them. So the Holy Spirit sanctifies us here on earth. That's why God didn't call us to go into these monasteries and, and all this good stuff that you see people doing that's actually not very biblical. Okay. As we have been discussing the unity of the Spirit and the understanding of the Holy Trinity, Trinity, it allows us to be totally different from other believers, yet at the same time have a singleness of mind. So we can have a singleness of mind, okay, but yet we're connected to other believers because of our purpose and our direction are all the same. Okay, this means we are different in our function, but the same in our purpose, direction, and cause. Whatever, whenever those three things line up, we are then on the same path. Now, there's an excellent example found in this, and we want to go to this passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 1 and 2. 1 Peter 1 and 2, if I'm not mistaken. So let's go to 1 Peter. One and two. Okay? 
So now it reads, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Uh, this is a big, big thing, but this is actually still talking about the unity of the Spirit, believe it or not. This is what this is addressing. Now, what is happening at this time that the Apostle Peter is writing this letter? Do you understand what's happening? Do we understand what's happening? Yeah, no, maybe. Do we understand what's happening? Yeah, I'm saying this passage of scripture I just read, what is going on? Because we have to put it in context to understand it. If we don't put it in context, we would be it'd be hard pressed to understand um what he's actually talking about. So what is happening is this is when the early church has been scattered abroad, okay? And what the apostle Peter is doing, he's writing to the, the people who has fled into these other parts of the earth. Mostly, this is Asia Minor, or we would say present-day Turkey. All that area that's what present-day Turkey, all these places he mentioned in verse 1, that's where they're at. Okay? So that's the background. That's the background of why he's saying what he's saying. But look what he says, though. Note from this passage of Scripture, we see that God the Father has planned everything according to our, including our salvation. How do we know that? How do we know that God the Father has planned everything, including our salvation? Because it says elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Okay? And so this is the foreknowledge. So only God has foreknowledge. Because you have foreknowledge, before you came to any conclusions, you already knew about it. And that's what it means we talked about the doctrine of election, where here it is. But it's not explained. It's just simply saying it exists. Okay? So then also in the same passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 1 and 2, 1 Peter 1, 2, it says that God the Son died and shed his blood as a remission for sins, as past, present, and future. Okay? And then also it says that God, the Holy Spirit, sanctifies us and protects us even unto today. Note that each person of the Trinity has a very different role. God the Father has a role, God the Son has a role, and God the Holy Spirit has a role. All of them are different, but they're in one cause, okay? The cause that they're, they're, they're going towards are all the same. Yet they are they are one in being the same be, uh, being the same as to bringing bringing sinners to a correct standing before God. The entire work of the Trinity is to bring us to a point of obedience to God in the Word of God. That's the working of the Godhead. If you want to check to see if you are elect or in the faith. Consider how obedient you are to the word of God. Of course, this would mean that you would have to know the word of God first. This, that is why the Bible instructs us to be diligent 
in studying and studying our craft as a child of God. Go to 2 Timothy 2 and 15. Go to 2 Timothy 2 15. So 2 Timothy 2 15 says what? Okay. So the Bible says that we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved unto God, not unto man, not unto ourselves, but unto God. And then go to Second Corinthians thirteen five. Second Corinthians thirteen five says what? Olivia? Second Corinthians? Second Corinthians thirteen five. It says oh, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Okay, so you know what a reprobate is, right? A reprobate is someone that is no good for anything. All right? And so the Bible says either you in Christ Jesus or you're actually no good to Christ Jesus. So we are to examine ourselves to see if we are indeed in the faith. Remember, from Ephesians, there is only one faith. No obedience to the word of God, no faith. You see, we must understand that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that the devil cannot overtake or overcome us by. You cannot preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without talking about the blood he shared. You see, Peter in this passage of scripture above, that's First Peter 1 and 2, was talking to the group of people who were scattered all over the place. But he wanted them to know that their high priest, which bring them underneath the same umbrella, same umbrella, regardless to their location, their role, their problems, they were all one in Christ Jesus. You see, Peter references what happened in the Old Testament when the high priest would sprinkle the blood seven times on the judgment seat. But with Jesus, when he shed his blood, one time it became the mercy seat. The word of the Trinity allows us to receive grace, mercy, and peace, which come from our obedience to the word of God. It is it's truly all we need. That's all we need is the word of God. But when we don't understand the word of God, we don't obey the word of God, because we don't trust the word of God, then we're going to have a problem because it takes the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It takes the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to make a son of God. Go to Hebrews 4 and 16. Hebrews 4 and 16 says what? Let us therefore come boldly and see the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in 
this is how we can come to the throne. But it's not something that we do. We we got to understand that in ourselves, we have no righteousness. There is no righteousness at all inside of us. So therefore, we must be armed with the blood of Jesus. We must be washed in his blood. Okay? Now, when we, we're going to leave the unity of the spirit because I hope we have a thorough understanding of it. Okay? So now we're going to go back into Genesis. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't go over all of them. I just went, because we had already went over them. So I basically just highlighted, and then I asked you one additional question, which was what was the, when he said one baptism, what did that mean? Remember, I told you a lot of times that we're having problems with Christianity is because our position in Christ is flawed. We don't understand our position or we don't acknowledge our position or we don't take advantage of our position in Christ because that's where you defeat the devil at is your position in Christ. It's not your position in the world. It's your position in the world. You're one with the devil. So that's not what he's talking about, okay? So now let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 then. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 is where we, and we're going to pick up where we left off last time. And like I said before, hopefully we get to the conclusion of the whole matter here in verse uh, in 3. We might do a highlight of, of, of chapter 4 also. Okay, I think last time we talked about that in verse 15 of chapter 3, and it says that I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and they shall bruise thy head. And the house of Bruce is healed. Okay, so we already covered this, but this is a zeta of where it passes the scripture because it talks about the seed of the woman, and we know the women don't have a seed. Okay, but this is what it was talking about that Jesus was going to come by way of a human. Okay, now we also talked about how the woman blamed. Well, the woman. Excuse me, Adam blamed the woman, right? And then the woman blamed the serpent, right? And then Jesus cursed them all. God cursed all of them because it was equal in blame. Now, I think we stopped off when it says, and Adam, and he said unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened, unto the voice of thy wife, and has eaten of the fruit of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat of it, curse is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Now, if you recall before we said that Adam had a job. When he was in the garden he had a job. Okay? But guess what? The job was not burdensome until after he fell. He said that the Lord now is pronouncing judgment upon them. This is a curse. And he's saying now you're still going to work for whatever that you get, but now you're going to have to sweat and, and get it. It says, stones also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground from out of it was thou taken. But for thus thou art, and unto thus thou return. So that's why when you, if you look at a, a corpse or 
somebody that dies a long time, they basically their body disintegrates back into dust, okay? Because that's where we came from. God created us from the earth, okay? Now, look what it says in verse 20. We're at verse 20 in Genesis uh, 3. It says, and Adam called his wife named Eve because she was the mother of all living, okay? Now, who was the mother of, of, of Eve? Yes, she, she did have a mother. Who's the mother of Eve? Huh? Who's the mother of Adam? No, God was the father of Adam. Who's the mother of Adam? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit? Uh, I don't know. The mother of Adam. <laughs> I don't know. Who's the mother of Adam? Why do you call it Mother Earth? Oh. Uh, okay. Where yeah. did Adam come from? He came from the Earth. Yeah. So the mother of Adam was, was Earth. Who's the mother of Eve? Adam. No. Adam. Eve came out of Adam. Huh? No, I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about what God did in our creation. We should acknowledge that because that's very important for what happened. Why did God take the rib from Adam? Why did he take a neck bone or head bone or, or a toe bone? Why did he use the rib? Where's the rib at in the body? On the side. It's from the side. He was supposed to be his contemporary, not for him to rule over. Remember when we talked about him pronouncing curses and when he said about the woman? Remember he told the woman that she's going to desire after her husband? Well, that ain't his position he put her in. That's the position she fell to because of sin. So all that stuff matters in the scripture. He, God took that took him from his side. So he was she was supposed to be side by side with him, not in front of him, not in back of him, but side by side. Okay. Now let's go to verse twenty-one. Unto and it says, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Okay, now here's my question. We found before that when they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they they had sewed fig leaves together, right? So why is it then we got go down to 21, and it says, Unto Adam and also to his wife did God, the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them? Because the job they did was not for God. Why wasn't it well done? Because it was, because anything done by man is not, um, not like past by God. It's not acceptable by God. So, and they fell. So anything they would do, they wouldn't be in a biblical mindset. Okay, well, not biblical, godly, because the Bible's not yet written. But okay, but you're absolutely right. So anything that you do at the work of your hand is called the works of the flesh, okay? 
God never accepts the works of the flesh, ever. Ever, ever, ever. Put a question, I mean, put an exclamation point on that because we keep trying to do that. What are the Muslims trying to do? They say, I've got to pray seven times a day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die and go to heaven, and I'm going to get seven, uh, whatever it is, 70 virgins or whatever they're supposed to be getting, right? They're trying to earn their way into heaven by praying. And if you look at most of the people, their life is very much away from anything that God would approve of, by the way, all their thinking and all the, the stuff they do. Okay, but I want to go into, I want to expand on this a little bit. I want to expand on this just a tad bit. Let's go to um, Galatians 5.19. You doing that? Okay, go to Galatians 5.19, Olivia. I'm there. Okay, read what it says. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, Lasciviousness. I don't know. Lasciviousness. Go ahead. Oh. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Envious. Envious. Oh. Envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. He says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are, which are these. He, he runs down this whole big list of all the things that are underneath the work of the flesh. Okay? All these things he's mentioning is underneath the work of the flesh. These are not the work of the Holy Spirit. Because how do we know? Remember we covered that earlier in the week when we, when we looked at um, Galatians 5.22. In Galatians 5.22, he said, now this is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So all these things he's naming are actually the work of the flesh. I want you to note, it says at the back end, which Lydia read, shall not Inherit the kingdom of God is important to note here because what happened to Adam and Eve? At the back end of it, let's go back to Genesis. Hold your place there because we want to come back to that. We ain't finished with it yet. But go and it says in verse 22, it says, And the law of God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And, and now let us Put therefore his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and and live forever. And says, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Okay? And then verse 26 says, so he drove them out, the man, he placed him at the east of the gate of Eden in the cherubims and a flaming sword toward which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life, okay? So God, the Lord God put them out of the garden, and then he put a cherubim. What's a cherubim? Huh? What is a cherubim? An angel. 
is an angel. So he put an angel over Washington and says, and a, a, a flaming sword. So they could not get back in because they could have eaten from the tree of life, which was right beside it, apparently. But once again, the one thing that they could not do, Satan started a conversation about why it would be okay to do. Okay? So what happened was they were thrusted out the, out the garden, basically. And, that, and that's why it says, when you do all these things, the work of the flesh, you shall not inherit the will of, uh, you should not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? So this is what happened to Adam and Eve. They would not be able to inherit a portion of the kingdom of God because of their, because of their sin. Okay? Now it says, when we cover the fruit of the spirit previously, we look at the work of the flesh. You see, Adam and Eve were attempting to cover up their sin by providing for themselves, by providing for themselves, what is that called? What is that called when I believe that man can solve the problems of man? Humanism, very good. However, Jesus, that is the Lord Jesus, the Lord God gave them coats of colors, which means that he had to, had to shed a blood of killing of an animal for a temporary covering for them. Okay, the works of their flesh would never be acceptable to God. Only God could have come up with a solution for what they have done. That's something that we must understand. We see the same concept when it comes down to Cain and Abel, all right? Cain and Abel is going to be found in Genesis 4. So let's do a a thing. I'm not going to go into it deeply. Well, actually, I can, actually, because we only uh, think it's not late. I thought it would take a little longer to get through this, but it did not. So let's go to um, Genesis 4 then, all right? Now, we still understand, we're still working with the concept of what we're talking about before. So look what it says. It says, Adam, it says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and buried Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. What does she mean by that, though? When she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord, what does she mean by that? Or is she just talking... Um, hyperbole, it, 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 does her word mean something? Um, she was giving, um, she, she was giving glory back to God. She still understood everything still came from him, from God. Okay, wait a minute. What did God promise them? What did God promise them? And we said in Genesis 3.15, Uh, that um, and I'll put in between the and the woman, 
and between thy seed and her seed? The seed of the woman. So she thought that the man that she had, Cain, was going to be the Savior. Just like in the Old in the New Testament, remember when Jesus told them that that he's going to return when certain things happened, the apostles thought he was going to turn immediately. They didn't think it was going to take very long. Well, Adam and Eve didn't believe that that, that seed that God was going to send was going to take very long because they thought in Cain that was the man that he talked about that she was going to have. Now, we know it wasn't because he's a murderer. Because look what it says. And she again bare his, his brother, right? Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground and offered unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his, of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. All right? Now, we have two guys that are involved into a religious ceremony, okay? That is that they are presenting an sacrifice to God. One guy brings up fruit basically, because it says he's a teller of the ground. So he brought a, the fruit of the ground as an offering unto the Lord. And then his brother brought up the firstling of his flock and the fact there, which means he slew it. Okay? Why did God respect Cain, I mean, respect Abel's offering and not Cain's offering? So why was Cain's offering not accepted? <clears throat> because he um first it wasn't his first, it was the stuff that he took off the ground that was blemished, probably rotten. No, it wasn't. That's, the Bible doesn't say that. And that isn't why it wasn't accepted, by the way. <laughs> We're talking about Genesis 4. What? You have to read it for yourself. You left. you got to catch up. I think it works. Well, then it had to be because of his heart. His heart condition. What was wrong with his heart? He didn't know his heart was it um, opening the word of God? No, I still don't know why God did not accept Cain's offering. It wasn't because it was it wasn't because it was rotten. It wasn't no good. Because the Bible had said that the Bible would have clearly stated that if it was, which it doesn't. So we should not assume that it was. Was it because, like, his offering wasn't sincere or something? 
His offering wasn't what? Like sincere or something. Yeah, how was it sincere, though? I think he really meant to give those things to God. But there's something missing in his offering. And the same thing that's missing in most of our worship today. Is it? Is it missing? Um, I don't know. <clears throat> it's, a, it's like eating like a food. Go to um, Jude. I think it's two. No, it was fruit that he gave. It was like actual fruit. Yeah, it was actual. It was actual fruit. It was real fruit now. So it was really fruit that he gave. But um, go to Jude 2, I think it is. Hold on one second. And Jude only have one chapter in it. So. Huh? Not really. Hold on one second. Let me see what it is. I want to see. He mentioned something in Jude. Oh, okay. No, that's um, 11. Jude 11, not 2. Go to Jude 11. We there? Jude 11? Yes, I'm there. Okay, what did it say? Well, went to them. For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the era of Balaam for reward. We're good. We're good. We just wanted to hear Cain. Okay, so what is the way of Cain then? Since the Bible mentions the way of Cain, what is the way of Cain? So Cain had to have done something pretty messed up to get mentioned in the New Testament. Yeah, but that ain't what they're talking about. Yeah, it has something to do with his offering, but what about his offering? No, it has nothing to do with it not being clean. Okay, first of all, if God accepted Abel's gift, why did he accept it? Okay, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Go back and look at what happened between, we already talked about this, okay? Adam and Eve, when they sold those leaves together, God didn't accept it, right? Right? Okay? So why, when we come to Cain and Abel, we don't understand the same thing is working? Why we did not accept that is because apparently... Abel's sacrifice was given according to God's standard, and Cain's was not. It's the work of the flesh. How do you mean where is it saying that? We just said Adam and Eve leave together, and you told me that was not accepted by God because anything you do that's not accepted by God means it came from you. So God did not tell them to bring fruit. He apparently told them, 
right, to bring a slaughtered animal, which is what Abel did. Because it said God respected his offering, which means what? He got that from God. They can't fit everything in the Bible. You have to understand certain concepts in the Bible. Because how does faith come by? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it means that Abel had to have been told that, hey, when you come to God with a sacrifice, you must have a slaughtered animal. Guess what? If, if Abel was younger than Cain, Cain had to have it also. You know what he did? He disregarded it. He's trying to come to God by he's trying to escape the cross without faith. When you, when you don't come by way of the cross, you're trying to come to God without faith, by the way. That's why the Bible says preaching of the cross is a stumbling stone to people. It's foolishness to the Greek, and it's a stumbling stone to the, to the Jews or whatever. But, but we try to bypass that. But we've got to go back to Adam and Eve. Look at what happened. The, the, the thing that they sold together was not by faith. Because that wasn't the word of God. The word of God never told them to sew anything together so that they could cover up their sin. So when you come down to Cain, Cain has adapted their mindset, humanism, that he's going to do what he wants to do, and then God is going to have to accept it. And if you read the rest of it, we're not going to get too much far into that today, but if you read the rest of what he says, he's basically telling God that you, I don't understand why you don't accept it. I'm doing it. What he's really trying to say is he has recognition with inside himself. But if you go to Hebrew, it says that Abel offering was accepted by it said by faith, Abel offered a more excellent offering. Once again, by faith means it came by hearing, and hearing came from the word of God. So that's why his offering was not accepted. That's why we got to understand the work of the flesh, God is not going to do it. And I'm quite sure the fruit that he had was excellent fruit. It probably was big, ripe, juicy. It just wasn't what God wanted. I guarantee those fig leaves that Adam and Eve saw together, I guarantee that was a fine-looking garment. But it just wasn't God's standard. So now, what is the way of Cain then? Unbelief. Huh? Unbelief and pride. It's, it's coming to God without faith. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Guess who he's talking about at the end of the time? This is what he's talking about in Jude. He's talking about how Christians are coming to God without faith. And that's what we see today. Because guess what? Everybody said, oh, you know, I know I don't study the Bible like I should. How are you coming to God by faith that you don't study the Bible as you should? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the thing that you need to hear, you were saying you don't hear it, but yet you still have faith. No, you examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because, indeed, many of us are not. We say we are, but we're not. I can't be depleted of the word of God and actually do anything by faith. 
And that's why he says it's impossible to please God without faith. Because if you offer anything unto God minus faith, guess what? Didn't the Apostle Paul say anything that's not faith is sin? That's what he said, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the way of Cain is to offer sacrifices based on humanity or based on humanism or based on your own thing. And what he's trying to say, he was righteous enough to offer up something to God, and then God accepted. Just like you got people running around calling God names that's not in the Bible. You're saying you have, you're so righteous, you can proclaim a name to God, and he will have to accept it. That's silly nonsense. I'm just telling you right now, it's silly nonsense. And we got people doing it. Okay? So... So the only righteousness we have is actually rolled up in Christ. And I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go any farther into Genesis 4 or what have you. But I wanted you guys to see how this thing that happened in Genesis 3 is transpiring. Matter of fact, if you were to read, if we were to do a quick summary of sorts, okay, in Genesis, we have covered thus far, Genesis 1 and 2 really dealt with the creation, okay? It dealt with the creation. One part is told that it was created. The other part describes how God did it. And then in chapter 3, we see what? We see the root of sin, okay? And one of the things you have to acknowledge in the root of sin is, is, is in, the, in the core of it is pride. And then in chapter 4, you actually see the fruit of sin. You see sin all grown up. And you see it spreading like wildfire. We will see how strongholds are abounding when it comes to the fruit of sin. It also should be duly noted that if you and I do not deal with the root of sin in our lives, we will not be able to pull down strongholds in our lives. That's why the devil is okay with you saying a little prayer that has nothing to do. When the Bible says when you come to God and you pray to him, you got to take that veil off your face. Because if you do not, you're going to run into the judgment of God. That's all that's left. That's all you can run into is the judgment of God because you refuse to judge yourself. Remember the Bible says, judge yourself that you be not judged. That's why the Bible says, examine yourself. That's a form of judgment to see if you're in the faith. But if you don't examine yourself, it means you think you're already in the faith. Okay? So what questions do we have? What questions do we have? What comments do we have? Okay? If we have none... Then we're going to close with a prayer. Our Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come take part in your word, Lord. We ask as always that you allow us to not just be heard of the word, but we do of the word. That we will understand that we are not to come to you as the way of Cain. And that we understand there's no righteousness inside of us, but you are our righteousness. And we ask all these things as we depart this place but never your presence. In your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen.
Hello, and thanks for listening to our uh, podcast today. Uh, we really appreciate it. We hope that there was something said that would have you have a deeper walk with Jesus and your knowledge of God has been expanded based off of the Word of God. Um, once again, this is Craig from Leading the Leaders. If you want to contact us about any of the uh, subject matter on this uh, podcast, you can do so by uh, looking us up on the web at leadingtheleadersllc.net, uh, what have you. And you can find many uh, things that you can enhance your leadership uh, also, if you want to uh, find out information or material that we covered during the podcast, once again, we thank you for listening. Uh, God bless.